Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk and I am your host Lila Winston. I pray that you have been well. I pray that God is continually blessing your life. As you know, we come together to read and study in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it to our everyday lives and then also so that we can discover the purpose of our lives and enact that in the earth. And so today we are going to be looking at discipleship again, but we're going to be looking a little bit more in depth at what that journey looks like um, to be a disciple and to make a disciple, what what you might expect, you know, as we look in the scripture. And so this is kind of a macro look at it. I think we're going to go a little bit more in depth in it, but there are a couple of other subjects that I want us to uh, get to before we move into that. But let's continue with our uh, study on disciples. I want us to look at Luke chapter 10, verse 4, and we're going to read until verse 9. It says, Carry neither purse nor script nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house, and into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. So I want to point out two things right off the top that I want you to remember. He says the laborer is worthy of uh, his hire. Now, what that what I want to point out is the word laborer, and I want to connect that back to the idea when Jesus Christ says that he's sending us out. He says, pray that there are laborers sent out into his harvest. And so I want you to understand your position as someone who is creating a disciple who's going out to spread the gospel is that you are considered a laborer. You are a reaper. You're reaping lies to God. And also we learned you're also reaping tares and you're throwing them to the side. So don't be dismayed if someone doesn't want to hear your gospel. So let's continue. Um, The second thing also that uh, I want to point out too is that each time he says, I want you to tell them whether they receive you or not that the kingdom of heaven has come near you. The kingdom of God has come near you. And that is really the point is that you're kind of like, it's kind of like, um, do you remember those movies where there'd be someone who we didn't know they were doing either a good deed or they were doing something dastardly? And after they did whatever it was, they would leave like a signature behind on a wall or, you know, maybe like they would, you know, leave their their mark uh, X behind. Well, that's kind of like what you're doing if you are a disciple. You want to preach the gospel. And when that person says, no, I don't want this gospel. You're going to say, okay, just know the kingdom of heaven has come here before you today and go, right? No matter whether if the person has accepted the the gospel, say the kingdom of heaven has come near to you today. It is here to you today. You've gotten it, right? And so that's the whole point is for the kingdom to have come to people and they have been able to make a decision whether they want citizenship or not. So while we understand that these things are sort of literal in Jesus' time, and they're talking about the instruction of 
what to carry when going on this journey, I think there is an importance in seeing the essence behind what is being said also. And I want us to look at Luke chapter 10 verse 4. It's important that he's essentially saying to be focused about the task. So when he tells you salute no man, he's not telling you you just have to just go straight ahead. What he's saying is just be focused about what it is that you're doing. Don't let things interrupt you and uh, take you off course because we all know how it is you meet someone that you know you start chatting with them and before you know it you've spent 30 minutes talking to them and you've missed whatever it is you were trying to do or either you'll be late what god is saying is be focused about the task if you're going out to teach the gospel teach the gospel right he's telling you to be focused and i think that's really what he's intending to say be focused about your purpose and if you're evangelizing whether you have the gift or not be focused about what you're saying to that person right to make sure they get the correct version of the gospel that's in the bible remember it's our conduct that will cause men to follow us into uh, the kingdom and when i say it's our conduct it's not just us loving on people and kissing on people it's are you able to stand under pressure are you able to continue following the uh tenets of the gospel even when there are things that are against it even when you face odds are you is the gospel working for you right like people want to see whether it's working for you they don't really want to see whether you want to give them a kiss or a bowl of rice some people are doing quite well so that doesn't mean anything to them what they want to see is is that gospel working for you in the areas that matter and that is what you have to understand that is why your testimony is your life right are you are you standing up under the pressure are you you know continually doing the word of god despite what may be coming against you so we're told that we shouldn't carry things also in these verses and i don't think that's actually entirely literal right and i don't think he's saying you know leave your wallet at home Um, i think he's saying to trust in god for provision i think that's kind of what he's saying and the items that he says to leave all require some level of foresight or forethought if you carry an extra pair of shoes then that means you're planning to go very far and you're planning to change your shoes so you have to be aware of how you're going out to do the work do the work believing that god is going to provide in some kind of way right look at what it says in matthew chapter 10 verse 16 it says behold i send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves be you therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves now we discussed this concept of leaving peace in our bible study on discipleship and i'll try to link them in the description there's a a bible study called the 70 right if you check that out we talked about this idea of leaving peace in a place and so jesus christ called it the son of peace he says when you say peace to this place he says if the son of peace is there then your peace will stay and there are three points about this i really want to pull out for our conversation about the work of ministry the work of telling people about the gospel the work of you know fulfilling your purpose whether you are uh, a person who has the gift of discernment or maybe you have the gift of miracles or faith whatever whether you are helping other believers or whether you are helping the lost there's some very important points and we're going to look at three uh three points the first is that we have to understand what peace is i think that's very crucial And the peace in our dictionary is defined as freedom from disturbance or it is considered tranquility. So freedom in the English dictionary means 
free, free freedom from disturbance, or it means tranquility. The Greek definition of the word that is used in this particular uh, verse in Luke chapter 10 uh, actually in context means to join together or to be whole. So it's talking about a kind of wholeness that is there, a wholeness that is there, okay? And it's also a Hebrew greeting, which means welfare, like your health and welfare. Also, the Hebrew word for it, if we go back to the Hebrew, because we know that Luke is written from the Greek, and we go back and we look at the Old Testament version, we find that the Hebrew word is shalom, right? That's a word we all know. And what that literally means is completeness, right? It means completeness or soundness. And we learned in another uh, Bible study when we talked about um, doctrine, it said make sure your doctrine is sound. It meant healthy. It meant well, right? A healthy doctrine that encourages you to grow, mature, have a healthy mind and heart, right? So when we talk about shalom, when we talk about peace, we are talking about something that is healthy, something that is whole and joined together. It is not broken, right? It also means welfare. So that's really an important thing to understand when you think about peace. And I want to explain this on a practical level to help your discernment, right? Because you need to be able to discern if the son of peace is there. And just for me to say, well, obviously it says in the Bible, if the son of peace is there, stay. If he's not, go. Well, what does that actually mean? <laughs> like, what does that actually look like, right? So here's the second point. We detect if we see the effect of peace in an environment, and we do that in very interesting ways. It is detected in the attitudes of people or that person in the environs and environs as well. So some environments look very calm and orderly, but the people are actually strained or angry or stressed or constrained. This is often exhibited in attitude, behavior, and also unmerited anger or callousness for no reason like you're just like hi and then the person is just we sometimes say these things are bipolar but no people sometimes have reasons they may be under pressure right and that doesn't be that doesn't uh, belie peace wholeness or health right so this is try, I'm trying to give you some way to discern peace and understand, is this someplace to stay or should I go, right? Has my peace returned to me and I should therefore vacate? Or is it the son of peace here, right? It's exhibited sometimes in attitudes. And, you know, and I want to say just because the place is orderly does not mean that it's peaceful, okay? And I have been to some very orderly places where the son of peace was not there. So it's important to understand that just because something looks orderly doesn't mean that the people there are actually experiencing peace, right? You can tamp down on people. You can tamp down on, you know, certain things to make things seem a certain way. But if the people are not truly exhibiting, feeling that, experiencing that, then that is just sort of an illusion. So what I want to say is, does the conduct make you comfortable there? Is it okay for you to be yourself, to be a disciple of Christ among them? This requires some practice in terms of discernment to be able to notice this. But this is kind of like your primer. As you begin to interact with people, and you've been doing it for all your life, but I want you to take a second step to try to detect the son of peace, right? 
So this is just some help to help you to see it through a particular lens. So you're able to say, oh, is the, uh, you know what? I don't think the Son of Peace is here. Or yes, I see the Son of Peace is here. And so those of you with the gift of discernment, I know you're very good at detecting, you know, the attitudes and intents of others. And so you can be really quite helpful to other believers, particularly if you guys are in a group or if you're with someone else or if you meet someone that they invite you to meet or something, you can be helpful. And that's why if you have the gift of discernment of spirits, you're so very vital and critical to the body of Christ because you're going to be able to discern the son of peace faster than anyone else or discern if there is no peace there, right? So I think it's important for us to really understand other people's gifts and how they can contribute even to the work of evangelism. We're seeing right now in this context how discernment is a benefit to the work of evangelism. But as always, sometimes we're going to make mistakes and in a discernment, maybe you don't have it, maybe you're working on it, it's, it's fine. These things will happen, so you'll need to be prepared to move on from such people, places, or experiences, and you want to do so with a measure of grace toward yourself and toward the other person. I think it's vitally important, and when I say a measure of grace, I mean understanding that it's okay that you have to go, that you can't interact, that this person is not interested in your gospel. It's really okay. If they don't want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is fine. Uh, it's also okay for you to leave in a gracious way. You don't have to be angry at them. You don't have to say nasty things. You don't have to be slamming doors and calling them all kinds of names. All you have to do is say, okay, leave them to their business and go. You may not, you know, obviously you can't start on your journey immediately. Maybe you're taking a plane out in a week or, you know, some days. Be gracious. Just move among, move in and out. You know that the Son of Peace is not there. Just bide your time until you can move on. So I think that's an important thing to understand. And that's doing it with grace, understanding I don't have to announce. Well, damn it. <laughs> well, I don't know if I should have said that, but darn it. I can't stand, you know, you guys and so you don't have peace so I'm leaving no don't say that just be like okay I see that the son of peace is not there so I'm going to go on and then number three and I want to note this in verse six of Luke chapter uh, 10 we see that it says your peace will return to you if the peace is not there this happens when you come with goodwill fine conduct and grace but you are rebuffed by the conduct the behaviors, the attitudes, the lifestyle, or even the ideas of the person or group or city. If your peace or well-being is disregarded by the people, that group, a city, um, it's a great indicator that the son of peace is not there. If you are appropriate and considerate and follow God's commands toward them, their response should be at minimum considerate. But if that is not there, we know peace cannot rest there. It doesn't mean argue, yell, or cajole. Instead, it means quietly pick up and go. There is a saying by Maya Angelou that when people show you who they are the first time, believe them. It could easily have been taken out of Luke chapter 10, <laughs> verses 1 to 8. See, discerning that the son of peace is not there 
is not a reason to capitulate or even to feel bad. It is information to use and help you make a decision. And Jesus tells us what that decision should be. He says, shake the dust off of your feet. Tell them the king of uh, the kingdom of heaven has come near them. Be on the way. And that's really important to understand. Acknowledge what it what is and then be going. Often charming people, and I just have to say this because I think it's important to note this. Sometimes people who are charming or people pleasers, they may go to great lengths to win over others. But this is actually temporary and it's actually vain. The individual, the group, or the city, it actually has no peace. No peace for you, no peace for the gospel. So don't let this be the hard learn lesson learned the hard way. You know, it's possible to charm someone for a week, a month, I don't know, please them for whatever. But if peace is not really in their heart, that's going to be a long climb. And I think a lot of times some believers who feel like they want to connect with unbelievers, you know, in relationships like marriage and stuff like that and dating, uh, they often think this will work because they're charming or they're pleasing or it's a, you know, they have chemistry. But the son of peace is not there. There's nothing there for you, right? There isn't going to be that evenness in terms of yoking. And so there's going to be problems up the line, even if you decide to hang in there. You know, it's just going to make your journey a little bit harder. And I want to say that it's important to know this because the individual or the group truly may have no peace. And so it's especially, um, I think, evident if you have to be overly kind or generous or overly available to get even a temporary kind of faux peace. And that's literally what it looks like. You just really being overly effusive overly kind overly you don't have to do that with with people where the set of peace is there you know what i mean they're just not going to need you to just be bowing over backward bending over backward uh, you know to show that you're kind or generous right so you have to really understand what that looks like and i'm saying these things and giving you these examples so that as you are moving forward in your journey you are able to notice oh this is what it means when the son of peace is here and when it's not oh i'm overdoing things i'm really trying to compensate here and make this person you know kind of like me in the gospel or trying to show them that i'm not a bad person or whatever no you don't you don't really need to do that if you ever have to go that extra mile and kind of overcompensate like that to make this person listen or to like you or whatever means that the son of peace really isn't there for you and you just need to kind of move on try this with relationships try this with anything and i think a lot of people would spare their hearts and years of suffering and so many other things if they just took that small bit of discernment right so i can tell you i've traveled a lot of places in the world and spent considerable time with other cultures and people races and groups And I have learned how to be appropriate among many kinds of people. However, that isn't to say that I haven't met those who are disagreeable no matter what. I have learned that to say 
my sweetest kindness for the house of God, as Paul actually encourages us to do in Galatians verses 6 and 10. So you don't have to be jumping over walls and you know what I mean, and just going all just to try and prove to someone that you're a good little Christian and that you don't mean them any harm and that you, no, no, you don't even do that. Look at what it says in Galatians uh, chapter 6, verse 10. And it says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So while I do good and I take an exception, and so while I do good to all, I take an exception to the household of faith and I rest where there is peace. If you do this, you will avoid untold struggle and strife. And let me be a witness from what I have learned over the years It really matters how kind or considerate you are if the son of peace is not. It doesn't matter, I'm sorry, how kind or considerate you are if the son of peace is not in that household, in that city, in that group, or with that person. We acknowledge the truth and we carry on in the way that that we will find peace and that we will know peace right so we're not trying to create peace okay you're not trying to create peace what you're literally doing is saying i leave my peace here if they don't accept it you take it back and be on your way right and the, the bible even says shake the dust off of your feet right and be sure to tell them look a witness of the kingdom the goodness of the kingdom of god came to you right it visited you, it visited that person, it visited that place, it visited that group or that city, and it was rejected. And that doesn't have to be done in a harsh way. Just do it in a real way. Remember, be grateful and kind for those who do receive you. I think we see this in Luke chapter 10, verse 7, where he says, Whatsoever they offer, receive. Whatever kindness, receive it, because they will be blessed for helping you regardless of their religion. If a Muslim person or a Buddhist person receives you, they will be blessed. It doesn't matter their lack of religion. Let's say they have no religion at all, right? Like let's say they're a prostitute or a lawyer. No, I'm just kidding, guys. I really think lawyers are great. Um, But let's just say we don't know what their religious affiliation is. You know, maybe they're an accountant, right? No matter who it is, if they have peace there for you, then they can be blessed. And we see this with Rahab the harlot when we see her taking in the spies with Joshua, right? And there's even an actual um, segment for Rahab, right? The prostitute who took in Joshua and the Hebrews. There's a place for her in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, among the heroes of faith let's look at what it says in hebrews chapter 11 verse 31 it says by faith the harlot rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with what with peace i'm gonna read that one more time it's hebrews chapter 11 verse 31 by faith the harlot rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace there's that word peace shalom right they came there their peace rested the son of peace was there even there with that harlot okay notice it says that she received the spies with peace with peace this matters a great deal 
her way toward them was peace. Look also in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 13, with the widow and the cake of meal. I think this is another great example of how the peace of a prophet or a holy man, and you have to understand that's what you are now in modern times, it actually came to rest for this widow woman who was making cake and meal for her and her sons to die. Look at what it says in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 13, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for you and for your son. And so we're seeing how her blessing, the prophet, allowed her and her son to eat through that whole famine and survive. And sometimes it's not just people who are in grave situations that can bless you. Sometimes uh, there are people who um, who's, your peace will lend who are not in such straits, right? Let's look in 2 Kings chapter 4. The prophet blessed a very rich Shunammite woman who let him use one of her houses and uh, supported him, Elisha, the prophet, in his life and work. I think this is really important because he blessed her with what she did not have. Her and her husband, they didn't have a child or they were barren, you know, unable to have a child. They were sort of an older couple, but they were rich, you know, they had money, they they had houses and landed property. And so it was nothing for them to allow, you know, this holy man to live there and, you know, to make sure that their servants served him with food and whatever he needed. And literally this, these people, they said, let's, let's help the, let's help him. Let's help this prophet. And in turn for that, they were blessed for doing that. Okay. And so I think it's, it's really important for us to understand the importance of allowing people to do these things. So don't be deprived people who wish to help or have peace, the son of peace with them to serve you or help you for the opportunity for them to be blessed for moving the kingdom forward by their conduct toward you and their contribution toward you because you're trying to move the kingdom forward. So I think this is really important. My mom taught me a very important lesson many, many years ago, honestly. She said, do not deprive people of the opportunity to be blessed by blessing you. Don't be so full of pride and so full of, you know, thinking, oh, you know, let people bless you because they're going to be blessed back in return. So I think that's really important, whether you are on the receiving end or the giving end, you know, and if you are on the receiving end, don't deprive people of that. You know, there are some people who have really big hearts. There are some believers and Christians who have the gift of helps. That is what they do you saying no or or turning them away for whatever kind of help they wish to give you with it doesn't have to be food or a place it could be money it could be connections it could be an opportunity do not think that they're not going to be blessed for that and don't deprive them of the opportunity of being blessed by that i want to show you something in luke chapter 10 verse 8 it says Uh, that they are encouraged to heal the sick in that place. So Luke chapter 10 is telling us to to heal people in the place where you come, right? That's literally what it says. And so we have to remember what healing means. 
healing. There are various gifts of healing. So when we did our Bible study on uh, gifts, and I would encourage you to check it out, uh, there's a Bible study called The Healers, right? About the gifts of the Spirit. And we find that there are more than one gift of the Spirit. There's not just one gift of the Spirit. It says gifts with an S. So we know that there's many ways to heal people, right? And so we know that you can heal through touch. You could heal through cure, through counsel, through prayer, and even miracles. It is the way of our Lord. So he did it in many ways. He healed people in many ways. So don't feel like you can only heal people by saying, blessed are you and tapping them on the forehead or whatever or something you might be able to heal someone in a conversation a one-on-one conversation right you may be able to heal someone with a hug with care with checking up on them you know what i mean reminding them of a scripture these things heal and you have to also remember that even the work of discipleship the work of of the gospel of telling people about Jesus Christ is a kind of healing because we are reconciling man back to Christ uh, back to God and we when we reconcile man back to God through Jesus Christ that is a healing because we were once spirits that were a part of the father of spirits the Bible literally calls us sons of God so we are being reconciled back like the prodigal son reconciliation is healing of a relationship There's healing of the body, there's healing of the mind and soul and heart, there's healings in different ways, but then there's also healing of relationships, and that's called reconciliation. It's not just acknowledgement that something went wrong or that there was a break. It's the ability, or even forgiveness, it is the ability to actually repair the street or the pathway or the bridge on which the two people used to travel to visit each other's souls. So I want to encourage you to understand that healing comes in many ways and you may be asked to do that or may see opportunity to do that in the various places that you are. I want to say right now for you, if you're a believer, um, to think about the ways that you might heal, that you might help and allow people to help you in the various ways. And like we read about the Shunammite woman who helped the prophet, she let him stay in one of her houses or, you know, whatever her, whatever she had. And she made sure he was taken care of and, you know, they cooked for him and whatnot. Let's look at what she said. And this is not some woman that we're thinking of as a holy woman, right? Or some person, you know? And she might have been. But there may be people who are not like, you know, uh, like the prostitute Rahab. It says in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shittim, where there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread, and so was it that often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set forth him there, a bed and a table, and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be, when he comes to us, that he shall turn in thither. So she made a place. Not only did she feed him, she saw him coming. She thought, I think this guy is just, this guy has something about him. Right? And and then the son of peace was there, so she could say, you know what, let's let's bring him in and, and let's make a place for him. And do you know what kind of reward she got for that? She had a whole son. <laughs> and even when that son got sick, he healed that son. So I want to tell you right now that the work of discipleship 
it's not complex, but it is something of a, uh, it's a whole journey. It's not a small thing. It's not something you just do on Saturdays or Sunday. Your act of discipling others comes in the way that you walk and the things that you do and understanding whether the Son of Peace is there for you to be able to do what it is that God has called you to do. And so I pray that this series on discipling, this macro look at what discipling is, helps you to begin that walk and helps you to know when to share the gospel and when not to, and that you would gain courage from it, that you would pray, that you would understand that you are a laborer in God's vineyard, that you would be prepared for wheat and for tears. I pray that this Bible study blesses you on your walk, whether you are an evangelist with a special gift or whether you are, you know, just a regular believer living your life and hoping to uh, do the Great Commission. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that you are blessed and I pray that God continually works in your life. If you would need any support, you can always contact me at lovewalk.substack.com. There's free Christian resources there that can help you in your study and help you to grow. And I would be happy to answer any questions that you have. God bless you. Bye.